Welcome back, y'all. This is another episode of NBA. I am your host, Jay Kiles, a.k.a. Kyle Kuskusma. And today I have a special guest. Um, I have Wes Goldberg. Wes is a writer for uh, The Setback uh, and also a host of the Locked on Heat podcast, uh, where he talks about Miami Heat news uh, and noteworthy events. So, Wes, welcome to NBA. Thank you. I just, how did you get that nickname? That Kyle Kuzma nickname, where, where does that come from? Yeah, so one of the, uh, one of the uh, things that we do at the Yay Network and as a part of NBA is, is uh, every episode we come up with uh, dumb NBA-related pun names, um, but they have to be food-related because we also have a food podcast. So Kyle Kuzma, Jimmy, okay. I can't believe it's not butter. Uh, yeah, let's see, Ben and Jerry Simmons, um, Derek Rose, the list goes on and on. Uh, Luca like Don Quiche, that's a new popular one. Um, so yeah, it just keeps going. I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Well, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to have a, a fellow pun fan on the podcast. Uh, but more importantly, somebody who is, uh, closely tied to and, and knowledgeable about, uh, the Miami heat. Um, so I wanted to talk about this past season that just ended, um, and just kind of get your initial reactions to the series that just ended with the Sixers. Okay. So, so overall, overall impressions is that the Sixers are way more talented than the Miami Heat are. And, and that sounds obvious, but uh, look, man, like the, so I interact with a lot of Heat fans on my, on my daily podcast and, and kind of one of the overall themes of the whole season was, well, is coaching experience and just sort of like overall depth, right? And just a bunch of average to above average to like pretty good players is that enough, right? Is that is that is that hashtag heat culture enough uh, to create a sustained playoff run? And we found out loud and clear, no, no, it's yeah. not. And 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 so the overall impression to me was, look, the Heat could look really, really good on a game to game basis. Sometimes they could look awful, but sometimes they could look really good during that during the uh, regular season. If they're if they're hitting a bunch of threes and everything's just sort of clicking and, and, and the offense is, is working the way it's supposed to and the defense is is shutting opponents down. But in the playoffs, when we all know star talent tends to take over, it overwhelmingly took over in that heat series against the Sixers to the point where they got swept for, or, or gentlemanly swept. Uh, that yeah. series. Sure. And it is abundantly clear now, if you're the Heat, that you have got to find a way or get onto the path of finding a talent like a Ben Simmons, um, a Ben and Jerry Simmons, or like a Joel and <laughs> or something like that. Because if without that, I just, I don't know how much further the Heat, the heat could get, you know, than where, than where they're at right now. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, looking at the salaries breakdown in, in the NBA, I mean, the Miami Heat are currently fourth in overall salary in the NBA, and they've got some some hefty locked-in contracts over the next couple of seasons. I mean, of course, you've got that Hassan Whiteside, you know, gargantuan contract, which I definitely want to talk about. Um, you've got James Johnson locked in for a couple more years. Deion Waiters just signed another contract recently. Uh, you know, Kelly Olynyk just recently signed. And, you know, a, a good portion of, you know, the core of the team is – is going to be intact for, for the coming years. So I guess what sort of flexibility do you see um, them having? Like how could they uh, potentially bring in a star? And, and do you have your eye on somebody? So 
the Heat, as you're saying, they're locked up, right? They've got no cap space this season. They don't have a draft pick. Right. Uh, so as far as adding to this roster, they're basically, they're, there's no way to do it other than via trade. And the Heat just don't have that many guys who are enticing in a trade package. I mean, you can look at a guy like Josh Richardson, who um, his the first season of his extension that he signed in October kicks in next season. It's worth about a little bit more than $12 million a year. Uh, and at that, if, if you – if you believe in Richardson's upside, that could be a bargain contract. Right. Uh, Justice Winslow will be up for an extension next next uh, season, well, this summer going into next season, and so that kind of makes his. Uh, what's the value of his contract? You could still tr- he's he's on the books for about three and a half million next year, and any extension he would sign would be the year after. But it depends on whether the team that acquires him would want that extension in there, or if they would prefer him just to enter restricted free agency. Um, so Winslow's. Uh, uh, an, enticing, an enticing kind of player to anybody who might be high on his upside. Uh, and people have mixed reviews on Winslow, even though he had a really good uh, postseason that should increase his trade value. And then Bam Adebayo is a nice guy. They picked at 14 last year, a nice springy center. Right. If somebody was high on him during the draft process, you might want to throw him in the deal. But it might take – it's going to take any any one of those three, if not a combination of them. In addition to a larger contract, a Deion Waiters, a James Johnson, or a Goran Dragic type of deal contract, to land a superstar player. And I just don't know that that is enough to get a guy who might be out there. Look, I think a name that I really like as far as guys that I have my eye on, CJ McCollum. Yeah, like, I was just about to say that. He would be such a perfect fit on Miami's roster. Like if they could convince the the Blazers to take Dragic and Josh Richardson or something like that. Right. That makes a lot of sense to me. More for the Heat, I don't know if – adding Dragic to that backcourt with Lillard really um, troubleshoots for the problem that they're having in Portland. Right. Uh, you can work a third team in there where you can move uh, Dragic and, and get a guy like on the wing that, that Portland might need a little bit more of. I just, you know, I, there isn't the perfect deal out there. It's going to take some magic by Pat Riley. I mean, the names that are thrown out there a lot, like the bigger names, Kawhi Leonard, John Wall, those guys. I don't see a Wall deal in the cards. Kawhi, maybe... Like, if he just somehow forces his way to Miami, though the latest reports we're hearing is he's looking at New York, Los Angeles, or Philly. Um, those are the guys, man. Like, I just – unless there's somebody that's coming out of the blue, like Kemba Walker might be an interesting option there. Yeah. Uh, you know, other than that, I don't, I don't really see the star player out there. Yeah, there aren't very, there aren't very many that are on the market um, as, as – I mean, you know, Kawhi is the most notable one, but there, there aren't really any stars out there um, – that are that are on the market and it's difficult. The other thing too is like the 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 big eight hundred pound gorilla in the room. Um, I hope that doesn't come off as racist, but <laughs> too late. Uh, Hassan Whiteside um, yeah. played literally nothing um, in the playoffs. was was a non factor for most of the second half of the season, and now has you know a twenty five million dollar contract that's sitting on the books for the next you know two seasons foreseeably. Um, I guess what what did you see? happen in the Hassan Whiteside situation towards the, the back half of the season that led to his, you know, ultimate, uh, you know, I guess, demotion to the, to the bench for the most part. Um, and do you see it being rectified or is this something that you think they'll just offload, you know, to somebody else? I mean, plan A, you offload that problem and that headache to somebody else. Plan B is you got to deal with it. Right. right. And, and um, I recently made this point on my podcast that you look at what happened in San Antonio with Greg Popovich, right. And his conversation that he had with Marcus Aldridge, Aldridge was not happy with his role. And right. he was about to demand a trade. Pop had to sit down with him and say, like, look, uh, this is how we want to use you. This is how you want to be used. Let's find, a, let's find somewhere in the middle. And it ended up working out great for, for both 
Aldridge and and Santos. Aldridge is going to make an All NBA team, one of the one of the top three All NBA teams this season. Right. So, um, if look, I don't think Whiteside has a top end talent that Aldridge does, but if there needs to be a similar conversation, regardless of if you trade him or if you can't, because I just don't know that you. Preferably, yes, you move him. I don't know how realistic that is. He's going to be on the on the books for $25.5 million next year, and he's got a player option for 2019-20 for $27 million. Um, that's a lot of money to pay to a guy who can only really play 20 to 25 minutes a game. Right? Yeah. So, you know, I just – his – you know, he was obviously not happy with his role. He He has a skewed – a skewed version of NBA reality right? Uh, where, you know, he complains about teams going small. He's like, well, if they're going small, we should go big. I could post them up. And it was, and we're all like, dude, post-ups are not good anymore. Like, and you're not even good at post-ups. Like right. what, in what world do you think you've, he's got like that little jump hook that is garbage. Like right. in one fourth of the time, it's just like, dude, you're not good at it. Nobody likes to do this anymore. Even if you're, even if you're like a Kevin Love or a LaMarcus Aldridge, you don't, People don't want people posting up all the time anymore. This just isn't the way the league works. He disagrees with that. And so that's a fundamental difference between Hassan Whiteside and kind of the rest of the NBA, right. which also hurts his trade value, if you think about it. That said, I think that if you're the Heat, you just you move him for anything you can get. I mean, I've heard deals out there like the, if the Mavericks want Whiteside, just trade him for Wesley Matthews' expiring contract. Right. Just swap bad contracts. Just swap swap bad deals, and if you're the Heat, you at least get an expiring deal, and that creates some cap room for the summer of 2019. Which is, if if I'm the Heat, that's the that's the summer I'm eyeing. Not necessarily this one, but that one, um, when they'll have a first round draft pick and and possibly some cap space if they make some moves. But other than that, I mean, does Washington want to fix things? Uh, try yeah. to shake things up? Do they want to maybe do Marcin Gortat and Ian Mahinmi and Tomas Saransky for Whiteside and Waiters? That's right out there, um, yeah. maybe. I don't know, but I guess I guess the question then remains: then is that what Miami wants? Like, does that does that return? Is that yes. return enough to say like, okay, well, I guess definitively yes. Return enough to say it's fine. Get there is an opportunity cost that you're dealing with uh, Hassan Whiteside on that roster. Number one, he's a locker room issue. You want to get rid of that, right? Uh, number two, they've got two guys, Kelly Olynyk and Bam Adebayo, who are better centers than Hassan Whiteside is right now. Bam Adebayo, right now, who they just drafted. After he is better than Hassan Whiteside for what they want to do. Um, and he's definitely got more upside at this point than Whiteside, whose best basketball looks like it's well behind him. He's dealing with some injuries and stuff like that. He isn't the athlete that he was when, when Miami first discovered him. So um, I think just if you move Whiteside, you're able to free up Kelly Olenek as your starting five, right? Or pair Olenek and make Bam, in, as the four and put Bam Adebayo at the five, pair those two together in the front court, which had a much higher net rating um, than when Whiteside and Olenek were on the court. Strangely right. enough, that, that, that Bam-Olenek uh, combo tended to work a lot better to the Heat than, than the Whiteside-Olenek combo. So, yeah, I think you just if, – if any of those deals I just said were on the table and it was up to the Heat to call the league office and, and send it through, I think that they would do it in a heartbeat. I don't think they would blink. Definitely, definitely. So another guy that I want to talk about as well, who, as you mentioned, had a really good playoffs is, is Justice Winslow. Um, he's somebody that everybody was really high on when he first got drafted. He got a lot of, you know, comps to like a, a Jimmy Butler, Kawhi type who was raw offensively, but, you know, had superior defensive capabilities. And, you know, for, for you know, injuries and, and other reasons, he's kind of fallen um, – in, in, in favor of maybe not Heat fans, but just um, just the NBA in a, as a whole and just kind of his game has not necessarily translated um, as well as we'd like. So I guess going into this offseason and next season, do you have high hopes based on the performance that you saw in the playoffs? And, and what do you need to see from Justice to, to start to get that 
feeling of, you know, we've got, we've got somebody here um, like, like maybe people had when he initially got drafted. I mean, you're talking right now to the mayor of Justice Winslow Town. Like, <laughs> I didn't know. All in on Justice Winslow. I, I love them when, when they drafted him. I don't like the Kawhi Leonard comparison. I don't like a Paul George comparison. I don't like any of those comparisons. I like the Draymond Green comparison, which was a, a comparison that Pat Riley made when he drafted him. Mm-hmm. And I think he can have that sort of impact on a team in the right role. And Miami, you know, Winslow had a strong rookie year. Uh, he, he famously played center in a playoff series against the Raptors as a rookie. Right. Um, second, he's basically sidelined with an injury for most of the season. Uh, and in his third year, the Heat struggled to find a role for him until really the last month and into the postseason of the regular season. They finally settled in on him ba- basically being the Draymond Green off the bench. Um, and and he thrived in that role, kind of kind of a hybrid four – you know, a three, four, five on defense and your point guard on offense. And, and that seems to really be a niche that he seemed to be comfortable in. I, I am all in on Justice Winslow. And one of the things that really stuck out to me again in that, in that first round playoff series was how much energy and fire and passion that he came to that series with just that, that competitive edge. I mean, um, just stepping on Joel Embiid's face mask was the highlight of the series. <laughs> a lot of people give him crap for it around the league. Like, oh, he's dirty. The, the heat are dirty. Yeah. Fine. I yeah. am so okay with that. If that is the Heat's reputation, don't screw with the Heat. Don't mess with us because we will step on your equipment. <laughs> you not like that. So um, I, I love where Justice Wins is going. I think he has such. I think he has a, a tremendously high ceiling. I really. I I see no reason why he can't be as good as Draymond Green. I see no reason why. Um, and so his, the defensive instincts are there. The, the the ball handling skills are there. His three point shot came along in the second half of the season. I think that's for real. His, he just looks so much more smooth and natural when he's shooting it. Um, and people are going to keep leaving him open. So they're going to be good looks that he gets. And uh, yeah, I, it would take, if I'm the Heat, it would take a lot if I was Pat Riley to convince me to part with Justice Winslow. Because if I get the right team around him, I think he can have a major impact on a winning team. Mm, interesting. Yeah, because I feel like his, his skill set is definitely... So I'm a Bulls fan. We're here in Chicago and, you know, we had James Johnson before he became James Johnson. I feel like a lot of his skill set is comparable in a lot of ways. Although I would say James Johnson is definitely more so on the five to four range, more so than the four or five range, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. just in terms of his like physicality and, and the things that he stands to do. But I, the, the one thing that was u- unique to me and, and exciting to me about this series was the Heat's unique ability to have this subset of guys who are, you know, anywhere from six, five to six, nine, that can guard multiple positions. They can, you know, switch on screens and, um, you know, can, can provide a lot for you on and off the ball. Um, and I, I, frankly, I thought it was going to be a, a, a tad bit more of a competitive series. But, um, yeah, ultimately the, the team that had the more, you know, the, the, the larger talent pool mm-hmm. um, prevailed. But I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what happens with the Heat because their, their roster is, is interesting. And I think that the, you know, the, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, like their, their salary situation puts them – I hate saying that they're like the trailblazers of the East, but they have kind of a similar situation where they're kind of locked into the contracts. I mean, they they kind of have the contracts that they have and there's not really much movement. And and ultimately, realistically speaking, they're kind of just, they're going to just have to go into next season with the roster as is, you know, minus a couple mid-level exceptions and, and just kind of, you know, hope for another playoff run. But ultimately the thing that they have on their side is that they do have Eric Spolstra and they do have, you know, the organization in place. And at one point, I mean, at one point during the season, they were a four seed, I think, um, yeah. or as high as a four seed. So, you know, the, I, the, the team's always been fascinating to me, but um, so a couple of quick um, 
NBA superlative questions, just rapid fire. Yeah. So oh, right before we get to that, I have a question because you're in Chicago, so you're a Bulls fan? Yes, 100%. Okay. So somebody asked us this in our, in, in, on our podcast uh, this week. Would you do uh, Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday for Hassan Whiteside? Would you make that deal if you're the Bulls? So let's take a look here. I just need to look at his salary situation. He's on the book for two more years. Lopez, is, Lopez and Holiday will expire after next season. Yeah, and so honestly, I was, I was of the opinion that we should have gotten rid of both of them during this trade deadline. But I, So personally, I would because I don't see the Bulls being competitive in the next couple of seasons. And you can just have – I. Eh, Actually, now that I think about it. So here's my thing. I, I am of the opinion that in order for a rebuild to work, you have to tank for three, four years. Because I, I interviewed Ricky O'Donnell, who's a good friend of mine, the other day about the Bulls. And it's like, had the Sixers tanked for one year and stopped, they would have been stuck with Jaleel Okafor, and that was it. So I, I have concerns about picking up a contract like Hassan Whiteside simply because I do have this – feeling that he could potentially win us games um, that I don't want to win. That being said, he's also in a situation where he has his productivity has only gone down since he signed that contract. Um, and once that comes off the books, now, you know, we've got some young parts like marketing and, and Levine and Dunn and whomever we draft this year, where maybe that free agent pool in the 2019, 2020, I guess, off season Maybe we can attract somebody, and now we've got you know twenty-seven million dollars coming off the book. So I could be swayed in both directions. Okay. Do you think it would be something Chicago would do, regardless if you were in charge? I think they would. I think that there's a lot of bad contracts out there that were just like, "Yo, give me, give me your shitty contract. Send me your Evan Turner. Send me your Miles Leonard's. You know, send me whoever you have because we're in a position now where we can take on bad contracts because we have the second lowest, you know, salary in the NBA and payroll in the NBA and and if we take on these bad contracts that come off our books right when we feel like our team's going to be competitive and right when, you know, there's going to be a crop of free agents that we'll be able to go after. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, the, the best teams have done it. They've kind of maintained this low profile on the payroll, you know, and that might put us in the, the middle tier, but still by the time we actually get competitive and frankly, I kind of like his defensive capabilities next yeah. to Lori Markinen. Um, Cause we're still not sure what he is. Is he a four? Is he a five? Like a lot of people, were impressed by his rebounding while others were like, well, he only looked as impressive as he was because he had Robin Lopez, you know, kind of cleaning up the paint and boxing people out. But um, I think we're in a position now where we are open to all the shitty contracts that are in the NBA. Just, just us. Whiteside is just a, he's he's not as good as like a Joel Embiid or a Rudy Gobert in the paint as a rim protector. But, you know, for a team that is bad defensively, like Chicago, like a Sacramento, like Phoenix, like these teams that are just, there, there is just thieves on defense, and he can get. He could, I think, singularly, he could take a really bad defense and make them average or right. almost average, which is a huge jump for a team that wants that sort of jump. It's just the Heat aren't always a top seven or eight defense in the league, and so there's just there's there's diminishing laws of returns there with Whiteside. But for a really bad defense, he can really bring them up a notch. And I think I like the combination. Let's call him to the league office. Let's make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. I'll do it right now as soon as we hang up. Okay. Um, Cool. So quick superlatives, and then we'll wrap up today. Um, If the season was to end today, who is your NBA MVP? NBA MVP. Ooh. um, You know, there was a lot of people swaying me for LeBron James, but it's got to be James Harden. It just has to be. Yeah. Where does AD sit on your list? He was – I think he was three for me. 
I think he was, I want to say he was three and then I had like Damian Lillard at four and Giannis at five, or maybe I'm, I mixed four and five. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I always forget about Giannis. Cause it's like, it's from like, from a statistical standpoint, super impressive, you know, top five player in the NBA, but also team barely made it in the playoffs. Seven seed. Um, definitely should have been better and you can attribute that to a lot of things but um you know he got off to a really hot start and you know that the that storyline definitely sells when it comes to to mvp ballots um rookie of the year all right it it because of the rule it has to be ben simmons but that's that's kind of curse oh yeah absolutely fuck 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 (laughs) it's bullshit it is the fact that ben simmons can win rookie of the year when he was already in the league for a year is is a load of shit. It's horseshit. And Donovan Mitchell should be the rookie of the year. What he is doing as a real rookie is more impressive to me than what Ben Simmons is doing in his second year in the NBA. That said, because the rule, thems are the rules, Ben Simmons should win rookie of the year. But I also would like to, the, the, I think the lesson here shouldn't be that Ben Simmons is a really impressive sophomore player who is getting credit as a rookie. The lesson here should be that the rules is crap and Donovan Mitchell should have been rookie of the year. And if Ben Simmons doesn't get to win rookie of the year because he missed his entire season because he was injured, oh, well, big deal. It's not the end of the world. But let's not also give these guys who have the benefit of playing in the – that's the argument I always get is that, well, Ben Simmons missed his first year, so it wouldn't be fair if he didn't get – what do you mean fair? Who cares? Give it to a real rookie because you know who it's not fair to? Actual rookies. I don't – Blake Griffin, Ben Simmons, you should – I want the awards taken from them and given to the right. I don't know who should have won a Blake Griffin's year, but it should be given to Donovan Mitchell this year. Let's change the rule. <laughs> well, let's also not pretend that uh, Ben Simmons didn't sit out when healthy so that he could get his bonus for winning rookie of the year. Thank you. Uh, from his shoe contract. So, you know, that's the thing that nobody's talking about. It's like, there's money involved with these awards. Like there's a lot of people want to diminish the rookie of the years and things like that, but there's, there's incentives in these people's contracts. If they win certain awards or if they make all NBA teams, like there's a lot of money to be made from these awards. So yeah, I'm honestly, I keep bringing this up. I don't see why we don't just do like a co-rookie of the year like we did a couple years ago with, uh, uh, well, shit, that was Grant Hill and Jason Kidd, I think were the most recent ones. Just a couple years ago. Yeah. Well, I could have sworn, didn't, I thought KD and Al Horford shared one. Uh, did they? I hate that idea, by the way. Really? I hate, that's like a double technical. Like I just, <laughs> no thanks. No. Let's right. make a decision, but let's, let's change the friggin' rule so that it makes sense. Like if you, I'm sorry, if you get injured for your first season, that's what happened as a rookie. You missed it as a you missed it because you were hurt. Well, that's no, what happened your rookie year. And no other sport really does it that way. Like Aaron Rodgers didn't win rookie of the year after Thank five you. years of sitting on the bench. So it's yeah, insane. all right, fair enough, fair enough. Well, uh, very very uh, passionate about that argument. Last yeah. question, um, and also your uh, Eric Spoelstra. One Eric Spoelstra probably could be in the argument for this. But who is your coach of the year? Quinn Snyder, yeah. and um, because what he is what he just did the best coaching. You know what I mean? Like he just did, he just did the best job coaching the team. Like he, he implemented a great offensive system when he had zero offense. He, he figured out that he, he, he kept putting more on Donovan Mitchell's plate, like appropriately as he could handle it, as he had room in his stomach, you know, so to speak that just that dynamic that he created with Mitchell is, is huge. I mean, Donovan Mitchell is one of the, the very few rookies in NBA history who have ever led a team in scoring points per game and led them to the playoffs. Um, and so just being able to, fil- to, to, to facilitate that was huge. Um, and then being able to, you know, going from uh, the Gobert, uh, Derek Favors front court that was not good at the start of the season 
and, and tinkering with it enough to make it actually a, a plus net rating at the end of the season. I just, I thought he did the best job coaching. Um, I'm not okay with giving it to guys like Brad Stevens and Greg Popovich. Those are really? situational awards. Um, you know, Greg Popovich can win it any year and I'm fine with that, but just like, Oh, well, look at what they dealt with. Like I, I just, I try to stay away from narrative awards because that's how you end up with Russell Westbrook winning MVP last year. <laughs> um, and then Eric Spolstra. Yeah. Kind of, it's sort of the same in the same vein as like, yeah, you were like one of the bottom three seeds in the Eastern conference and you don't really have that much talent. That's a, again, that's a situation, a situational award. What like, about Brett Brown? Brett Brown should be in the conversation. I would actually have him higher than a guy like like Popovich or Mike D'Antoni. Um, I yeah. thought D'Antoni did a nice job, but he also was kind of like, like if you're going to give the Rockets executive of the year, and if you're going to give the Rockets MVP, then I'll really get it, are we really going to award Mike D'Antoni for doing a terrific coaching job? You right. know what I mean? Right. So for me, it's like Quinn Snyder is, is my head coach of the year. Yeah, and I personally I don't want to hear Dwayne Casey's name anymore. I'm just done. I'm done with that argument. The best, the best I, I, argument I heard was like, oh, so he did a crappy job coaching the last two years, and then he does a decent job. Right, year, right. And you we want to give him coach of the year? I was like, yeah, that's a really good argument. Yeah, you're right. right. I might use, I might have to use that approach to get a promotion. Well, Wes, thank you <laughs> so much for being on the podcast today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, tell the listeners where they can find you, and uh, and we'll wrap it up today. Oh, just follow me on Twitter at uh, wc goldberg. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I, I don't, I don't do anything that exciting, but you know, sometimes I'm in games and you can find me there, um, at the same handle and then just, and read the step back and then check out, check out the locked on podcast network. Uh, if you're not a heat fan, if you're not a bulls fan, they've got a podcast for your team. Um, and so if you're listening to NBA and you should add that, you should add, uh, your favorite teams locked on podcast show to your podcast feed. Um, and you should just listen to more podcasts because in general, the platform is way better than any radio station that you're listening to. So just keep listening to more and more podcasts because uh, the, the tide rises with the ship, right? That's what they say. Yeah. The more people start listening to podcasts, the more that you and I will have success with our podcasts. And that's at the end of the day, that's what we want. So. Amen. And while you're listening, don't forget to give both of our podcasts a five-star review on iTunes and leave a rating and review if you feel so inclined to do so. Absolutely. That helps. That helps a ton. Awesome. Well, for Wes, for Jay, this has been NBA. We're out.